Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. This is kind of like a, you know, it's a continuation of that, or if you say the other side of that. Uh, I talked about four things, four ways God defined membership. One is belonging, that if, you know, God wants you, a member belongs to the body. Uh, So membership is truly belonging, and we challenge everyone here who hasn't really belonged, who is just attending to truly belong. And thankfully, we had uh, 10 people did the class yesterday, amen? All right? Uh, We also talked about leadership as adding and receiving value, all right? And I challenge you, are you adding value? I know if you're a member here, you're already receiving value. But the question is, are you adding value? And I talked about membership as serving with your gifts and your talent, what God has given to you. Are you serving with it, or are you giving excuses? And I talked about membership is giving. You know, I talk about giving in terms of generous giving, tithing, you know, giving of your finances to the work of God. But today I want to really look at the other element of it. You know, what really makes the big difference, even after having done all this, is how we do them. So I'm going to talk about obedience, you know, because I look at all these things I was talking to you last week as obedience. But I found out that there's a a lot of time obedience does not always get the reward it's supposed to get. Uh, Because God is a God of reward. And I found out that sometimes, especially we as New Testament Christians, don't fully understand how God sees things. So it's important to know how God sees things. Uh, you know, so that we can truly get the reward of our obedience. Amen. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to, first few minutes, do a little theology, uh, if you will, uh, because sometimes it's good to understand the theology of what we're talking about before I give you the, you know, uh, maybe the point or things like that that are practical. But let's pray. Holy Spirit, I invite you. I pray that uh, this word that I will speak uh, will be inspired by you and will be planted in our hearts and we produce fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You see, one of the most simple or simplest way to distinguish between the old covenant and the new covenant, or what we call Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, the words action and heart, action, and heart, all right? Uh, And I will explain that. If you look at the old covenant, you know, the law of Moses, God's requirement under the old covenant, it primarily focuses on actions of people. You know, what was more important under the old covenant is action. But when you come to the new covenant, which is the covenant that we are, What is more important is the heart. 
And Jesus really tried to really explain that a lot. And I'm going to get into that. Uh, I said the word primarily, and I underline it so you know that, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't mean that Old Testament doesn't talk about heart, but that's not the focus. You know, and I'm going to show you a little bit. Uh, it doesn't mean that New Testament doesn't care about action, but that's not the focus. So when I say the Old Testament primarily, right, focuses on people's action, it, it not necessarily on their intent or what is going on in the heart. That was not the real focus. But when you're under the Old Covenant, a New Covenant, it is not always just about someone's action. In fact, what is more important is what is driving the action. So let's go to Matthew chapter 15 first. I'm going to read a few verses in Matthew chapter 15. I want you to note this because this is really important. All right? In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus started talking about what contaminates a man. All right? He said, what truly contaminates a person? And I'm you know, reading one of the newer versions. Uh, it's not what he puts into his mouth but what comes out of his mouth. That's what makes people defiled. Then, uh, you know, let, let's just stop that. So Jesus made that remarkable statement. Now, it was, for us, it doesn't sound that much. You know, you know, yes, that's a statement, but it was a remarkable statement. It was remarkable to people he was speaking to. Now, he was speaking to the Pharisees. He was speaking to people who are under the old covenant. Now, the old covenant had nothing to do with it. Old covenant was very external in its nature, right? So what people eat is very important. What people wear is very important. All those actions, physical things, what you see, that is what people are judged by. That's what makes people defy. Now, so Jesus came and just, he was like appending all that. In fact, you will know by the reaction of the disciples in verse 12. Then his disciples approached him and said, don't you know that what you just said offended the Pharisees? That what you just said is like you took down the whole religion of some people. You know, you just made a statement that just, you know, that just washed down some people. And of course, they were offended. And of course, Jesus, knowing Jesus, all right, what they didn't care about offending people. He even said, you know what, every plant that my heavenly father didn't plant is destined to be uprooted. He went on and on. Let's go to verse 15. Of course, Peter himself was a Jewish person. He had practiced Judaism all his life. So he himself didn't really understand. He was just trying to ask for a friend the first time. You know, so Jesus didn't really answer him directly. So, so Jesus came, I mean, Peter came back and he said, will you explain to us what you mean by your parable? I mean, what did you mean that what now, what people eat doesn't define them. That goes against what we've known. Our whole religion is based on what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat, where you should go, where you shouldn't go. And you're saying that doesn't matter anymore? And Jesus began to explain. In fact, scolded him because, you know, Peter knew he was going to get scolded first. Can you just imagine Peter, and, you know, Peter, he knew, all right? And Jesus said, even after all I've taught you, you still remain clueless. Is it hard to understand that whatever you eat enters the stomach only to pass through the sewer? But what comes out of your mouth reveals the core of your heart. Look at that. Words can pollute, not food. 
you will find living within an impure heart evil ideas, murderous thoughts, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lies, slander. That's what pollutes a person. Eating with unwashed hands doesn't defile anyone. Well, it might make you sick, but it doesn't make you sinful. Right? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so, now, it's a major change. So, because you're talking against the backdrop of 2,000 years of belief system that people had, right? 2,000 years of history, belief system built on external things, external obedience, all right? And Jesus is saying that is no longer relevant. In fact, I will read another verse for you to, to, to demonstrate the shift because it's important to get the shift, especially as those of us now. I think that's why a lot of time we don't get the reward of our obedience because our obedience most time is still a lot like the Old Testament people. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 10 verse 16. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 16, by the way, is quoting for Jeremiah, from Jeremiah 31, 33. I put it there for people who really care about knowledge. So Jeremiah was prophesying in Jeremiah 31, 33 about the new covenant which is where, what we're under now. So the writer of Hebrew quoted that. And this is, a, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time. So this is describing the new covenant. He said, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts. You see the word hearts. And write them on their minds. I say, look, in, under the new covenant, it will be about what is in the heart. All right? I will put my laws in their heart. This is what the new, new covenant is about, what is going on in your heart. Not necessarily about your, you know, what is going on outside of you. Now, let's contrast that to the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 and 9. Uh, if you start from verse 6, yeah, he said, uh, this commandment, that I give you today are to be on your heart. He mentioned heart, but if you read the old context, that was not the emphasis. You know, I started by saying the emphasis in the old covenant is really external actions, right? The emphasis in the new covenant is internal and the heart. Let's, let's leave from verse 7, what God began to stress. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. And when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Look at verse 8. Tie them as symbols on your hand. All right? And bind them on your forehead. All right? Write them on your door frame of your houses and your gate. You know, it's like, you know, just tattoo them on your body, right? Just tattoo God's commandment and say, Jesus cares for me. Jesus loves me, you know. I mean, if you do that, you're fine. You know, if you can bind them on your doorpost, if you can put them on your ring, if you can wear them as t shirt if you can put them as a sticker on your car, you know, it, the emphasis was very external in nature. I mean, contrast that to, that's why he said, look, something is going to change. 
This is the covenant, new covenant I'm going to make. I'm, I'm not going to focus about what you do with it externally. In fact, I am going to write them on your heart. Praise the name of Jesus. Very important. Now, so that's what Jesus started to teach them. You know, it was very difficult for them to understand. Even for many of us, it's still very difficult. But Jesus really, his whole teaching is based on that. And I'm going to give you a few more examples. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. I'll take a few. If you, can, if you read Matthew 5, 6, you will see a lot of this. In Matthew chapter 5, for example, verse 21, Jesus said, You have heard that our ancestors were told. That's talking about the law, what they were told, our ancestors. That's what they were told. You must not murder. That's what they were told. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. And verse 22, Jesus said, but I say, the new covenant is here, but I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Now, so in the old covenant, technically, you really can keep malice and you have not broken the law. Because as long as you don't carry it out, right? If you don't carry it out by killing somebody, by smacking somebody, by doing something crazy, I mean, you can walk around because the emphasis was on ex- I mean, external actions. That was the emphasis, right? As long as you can put something on your forehead that thou shalt not kill. All right? Uh, you can put something on your wrist. You can put it on your post. I mean, what is going on inside wasn't so much the emphasis. And Jesus said, that is changing now. Now, in your heart, if you are angry with someone, then judgment comes upon you. Let's go to verse 27 and 28. You have heard the commandment that says, you must not commit adultery. Adultery is external. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her heart. That's like, whoa! For them, that's like, how is that? Where do we start from? (laughs) You know? And Jesus went on and on. Now, if you go to chapter 6, let's go to chapter 6, Matthew chapter chapter 8, the following chapter. In fact, if you go to verse 1, we're going to read a few verses here, and I want you to pay attention. He said, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Wow. So be careful. You know, that's why I titled this, Don't Lose Your Reward. You need to really understand. He said, be careful so that your righteousness is not just external. Because if all your righteousness, your obedience, your things, your coming to church, you know, your giving, your serving, you know, if all those things are just external, I mean, they're just what we practice in front of others. He's saying you will have no reward. 
My prayer is you won't lose your reward in, in Jesus' name. So he began to give example. That's a big statement now. Now, so in, people are saying, how? How? How is it possible? I mean, I have to go to church. I have to do this. I have to go to church. I have to pray. I have to do all. I mean, this is what we've been taught. I mean, we have to, how will people, how? So verse 2, he says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So it talks about our giving to people, our act of you know, kindness, doing what is good. He's saying, in this dispensation, it's not something to be announced. It's something to be done, you know, secretly. It's something to avoid, avoid public announcement. Otherwise, the reward that you should get from God, you will lose it. Praise the name of Jesus. Let's look at verse 5. Now, then he applies it to prayer. And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. I mean, that's, and it's truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. There's even no balance. I mean, everything is, is in full. It didn't say they received some reward, I'll give them some. No, it's full now. It's paid in full. You got your reward. People saw you. People clapped for you. People did, you know, that's your reward. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You know, I will skip a little bit of verse 16, even to fasting. But when, when you fast, do not look somber like the hypocrites do. You know, don't go around looking so, so people can ask you, oh, what, what's going on? Oh, yeah, I've been fasting. Oh. <laughs> For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, try to hide it. That's what he's trying to say. Don't try as much as possible. Put oil on your head, on, you know, and wash your face. You know, eat some gum. Don't let, don't let the old breath be stinking. Oh, I can't do anything. Freshen up, you know. All right. So that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Hallelujah. Amen. So, so Jesus was trying to explain to people that this is a major shift in dispensation. You see, before now, those things didn't really matter because 
you will not really judge on your motive, per se. You will not judge on what is driving you, what was in your heart. How you were judged was by was, you know, the physical, right? I didn't hit anybody. I didn't kill anybody. You know, I did the fasting. Doesn't matter how, what is driving the inside. Oh, I gave. Oh, in fact, last week I gave like 10 people stuff. You know, those were the emphasis. It's saying here under the New Testament, the emphasis is really on what you are doing behind closed doors. You know, now all what is driving what you are doing. All right, so we need to do a lot of motive check for ourselves. We need to ask ourselves, what is driving me? What is the heart? What is in my heart? What is driving? What is my motivation? Yeah, you know, it's very important. We need to really begin to think of, is my heart pure? Or am I just putting up an appearance of purity, right? Am I, you know, if God looks at me inside, does he really... You know, does he really appreciate what is going on in my thoughts? Am I someone that keeps bitterness? I might be able to hide it very well, you know, so everybody think I'm the nicest person, you know, but inside, I really am different. God really sees what is in your heart, and that is what records you as. Praise the name of Jesus. So I'm going to talk about four keys, four things about Obeying God like a New Testament believer. Oh, you know, I don't even know what I titled it in the obedience in the New Testament. I want to talk about obedience in the New Testament way because I want you to get the reward of your obedience. I don't want you to just come and give and not get the reward of your giving. Come and serve and not get the reward of your serving. Come and be a good member, do whatever, and not get the reward of your, you know, your, your hard work, you know, your your service, your giving, your passion for God, it is, we must do it, but we must do it in such a way that we are rewarded for them. Hallelujah. Because God cares about reward. That's what Jesus said. They have received their reward. All right? That means behind all these actions, all these things we do, they are reward. There's a reward to everything we do. God rewards us. And the reward is not only in this life. The reward is also in heaven. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, number one thing, I mean, I will use a lot of scriptures, but that's why I think the first 20 minutes now, I have been able to at least lay a foundation, and that's what is called a theological understanding of what we are talking about. Uh, you understand that. Hopefully, you, jo- you noted some of those scriptures. You can go study them on your own. If you have any questions, you can always email me, by the way. Amen. But I'll give you, uh, I believe, four or five things, you know, that I, I think there are five that I will, you know, that I will say how to make sure you get your reward of service. Number one, you must do whatever you do from your heart. From your heart. You know, God cares about your heart. Now, it is very simplistic. It looks very simple. But it is not always as simple. It is not always as simple for all of us. So it's important to know that what is coming from your heart is very important. That means don't rely, don't always rely on external stimuli, all right? So many people 
still really largely reward on, I mean, rely on external stimuli. I mean, they're sure they'll do things simply because there's something forcing them, constraining them. You know, they'll come for a fresh anointing prayer because, you know, pastor is going to do something. I mean, that's, that's Old Testament way of thinking. I mean, they don't just be always about the external, how people will feel if I don't do this, or just to, no, 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 make sure it's from your heart. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 15, Matthew 15, 8 and 9. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. That means that worship doesn't really get to me. And it doesn't get the reward. All right? You know, they honor, I mean, on the surface, the lip is saying what is right. You know, the lip is saying the song is right. You know, and sometimes we can get a lot of the actions very right. And, and, that's, and that's really where the Bible says the heart is deceitful. Our heart, we can be so deceitful. You know, we can deceive ourselves, you know, by getting all the action right. But our heart can be so far from God. We're so complex as human beings that we're able to do that a lot. Am I right? Even to ourselves, right? We can be so nice to ourselves, but when the person turns around, you're like, and they don't know. We have the ability to do that. Unfortunately, we even do it to God who sees our heart. All right? So he's saying, don't do that. I'll read another scripture for you that is important. Philippians chapter 2. This is the apostle Paul writing to the people of Philippians. The Philippian church. He said, therefore, my friends, and I want you to note this, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence. All right? You know, when I'm there, yeah, I know you obey. After all, apostle Paul is here. Who wants to disobey when Apostle, Paul, Apostle was around? I mean, Apostle is around. Apostle says, shows up at 7. You show up at 7 for Apostle. Apostle says, come and give. Oh, I give for the Apostle. I mean, Apostle is there. Why will I not give? Oh, Apostle is checking the record. Oh, I got to give. I don't want Apostle to say, I don't want someone to report me to Apostle. Or I don't want to get a phone call from Apostle, right? He said, yeah, you have always obeyed. Not in my, you know, not only in my presence, but now much more. Saying much more in my absence. Continue. You see, it's no longer there. Say, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13. For it is God who works in you. I want you to see. In you. To will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I think I put uh, NLT there. Am I reading the same one? Okay, so I put the NLT on the screen. I want all of us to actually read what is on the screen, so I think that that will help us better. Can we all read it together? One, two, go. Dear friends, you always follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the result of your service. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, 
shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse. Oh my God, if the world was full of, full of crooked and perverse people that time, I wonder how you would describe it now. <laughs> Crookeder. <laughs> Crookedest. <laughs> but you see, what, what he's saying here is, look, I was with you, now I'm no longer with you, right? I'm away, it is even more important. You see, it is more important what you do when we're not there. That's more important. I mean, it's okay what you do while you're here. I mean, nobody, nobody's here. If I say anybody has a, a, you know, a box of cigarettes here, nobody will bring it to church. I mean, you won't come smoke here in front of us. You know, you won't bring, uh, you know, whatever, or whatever you do, you won't, you won't watch your porn in, uh, in church on your phone, no. So it's okay that you don't do those crazy things. So, you know, hopefully there are no churches where people do crazy things openly. But people do it when they are not here. And I think that is even what is more important, right? What is more important is when no one is there. And that's what he's telling them here. You know, that that is what is important. It's even more important. And he's saying, work out your salvation when no one is there. But he's saying that God is giving you the desire. And I think uh, that's important. That God is, in fact, the way God works is not necessarily appealed to your external. It's to really work on the inside of you. To work out, you know, it works in you to will and to act. All right? Or to desire and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Hallelujah. So someone says, all right, if I'm supposed to follow, if I'm supposed to just follow my heart, if I'm going to just do it from my heart, how about if my heart is not there? You know, my heart doesn't want to give, my heart doesn't want to do what, you know, you know should I just do what my heart say? No. It simply means you ask God to work on your heart. I mean, that's, that's just that because you know that is what is important. It simply means you give God room to work on your heart. Give God room. And unfortunately, many believers, and I want to say this, resist God's work in their hearts. I mean, that's the sad part. The sad part is many believers, most people disobey God against the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Most disobedience are really against the prompting of the Holy Spirit. They are never because God didn't tell you. They are never because God didn't caution you. They are never because God wasn't really trying to stop you. You know, you know, you try to do it, you dilly-dally, you did this, you did that, and at some point you just ignore him. You just say, you know what, I don't care what he says, and you just move on. Unfortunately, that's how we live. So we must ask God to work on our heart. Hallelujah. The new covenant says, I will write my law in their heart. So you just go to God, Lord, write it in my heart. You know, let the word of God dwell richly in your heart. Isn't that what it says in the new covenant? He didn't say, you know, put it on your doorpost, put it on your car, you know, put it on your Facebook, just, you know, put it on your Instagram, whatever, put it everywhere, let everybody see it. No, 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 no. What is more important is it in your heart. Number two. 
do it as unto God. Do it as unto God. Doing it as unto God, number one, protects you from human offense. Look at what Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, we quote this a lot, we just don't think about it a lot. All right? Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. You see, when you serve, whatever you do, whether you are a worker, you are serving, you are giving your tithe, you are giving your this, you are helping the poor, you know, you are coming to church very early, you left your house at 8 a.m. or 7 a.m., you woke up 5 a.m., all those things, just make sure you are doing it as if for the Lord. Just, I mean, when and anytime you shift from that, stuff happens. You start murmuring, you start complaining, you start, and you start losing your reward. I mean, why will you do it and lose your reward? You still do it anyway, right? Most of us, you still end up doing it. I mean, you still end up, oh, yeah, we are workers, we got to do it, you know. I mean, you do it, you know, maybe you, you know. I mean, you do it, you, but why do you do it without getting your reward? I think it's painful, right? That we do many things and they are not credited for us. And that's, 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 that's really the essence of my message. That I, I don't want you to do it and say, and we meet in heaven and you say, Pastor, I lost all my, and you told me to do all this thing. Where is my reward? I mean, I could imagine that. I want you to get your full reward. Hallelujah. Do it as unto God. Let's look, let's look at what Malachi said. Malachi chapter 1. Verse 6 and 8 says, A son honors his father, and a slave his master. If, a ma- if I'm a father, where is honor due me? If I'm a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord. So the Lord said, these people are not, they're doing things, they're not even doing it as if for me. Look at verse 8. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Will he be pleased with you? Will he accept you, says the Lord. Now, let me tell you what's going on here. I mean, look, they're just being rational. I mean, you have to offer animals, bulls, and this. I mean, and you're going to kill them anyway. I mean, so you're going to take them to the temple. The priest is going to slaughter them. You know, so it only makes sense for people to say, look, he's going to be killed. So I just look around and say, the animal that I can't sell, because, you know, it's, <laughs> right? <laughs> the eye is gone. The leg is gone. He has some rashes. <laughs> I mean, after all, it's not that God, I mean, God is not going to take the animal home, right? The priest is just going to slaughter the animal, and we're just going to call it a day. I mean, so people who are just being smart, just like us, uh, right? Isn't, doesn't that make sense to you? I mean, you're just going to say, you know what I mean? It's not that God is standing there. I mean, (laughs) the priest kills the thing and we call it a day. And God said, you don't know that I care about these things. I demanded it. I demanded that the best. What I told you is I want the best. And it's coming to you. It's not going to the priest. 
Yeah, he's killed, but I take it personal, each one. You see, because if your governor asks you, if you're going to present a goat, a ram, something for a very important person, you're not going to give a one-legged goat. You know, you're not going to do that. You're going to, I mean, you're not, I mean, the same thing we can apply it. I mean, if you're going to, if I'm giving an offering and it's to God, I'm not, you're going to, you don't squeeze offering to somebody important, do you? You don't do, I mean, you squeeze offering to maybe a homeless person because, oh, yeah, let's go. But if you're giving a gift to your friend or to somebody important or even to me, you, you, don't, you, you people package it well. People put it in a nice envelope. I mean, they use their best handwriting available. <laughs> I mean, and I read it. I mean, if you can do that to me, your pastor, a, an ordinary person, why not to God? So he's saying that I want you to, whatever you do for God, whether it's giving, whether it's serving, whether it's, do it clearly like you're doing it to him. You know why? He sees it. He's watching. He's important. It's personal to him because you are doing it in obedience to him. Praise the name of Jesus. Our time is fast, friends. Let's look at number three. Do it with understanding and conviction. Do it with understanding. Whatever you are doing for God, do it with understanding. Your obedience must be done with understanding. And understanding leads to conviction. So that when someone asks you, why are you doing it? You can answer them. Look at what Romans chapter 4 verse 5 says. He said, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their mind. You know, this is talking about people used to argue in those days. It's their Sabbath. People still argue today. You know, should we, you know, should we go to church on Sunday? Should we leave the Sabbath? You know, all these arguments about is Christmas important? You know, some people are... You know, should we even be doing the Christmas? Do you be in the New Year, Easter? These are big. You know, people have all these arguments. And he's saying, you know what? At the end of the day, be fully convinced. All right? If you are, whatever you're doing, if you're doing it to God, just make sure you have a strong conviction in your heart. Now, how do I know my conviction is right? You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. First John answers us that. First John chapter 3, if you go to verse 19, he says, this is how we know we belong to, be, to the truth and how we set our heart right at rest in his presence. If our heart condemns us, we know that God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. God knows everything. So it brings us to the heart again, right? Dear friends, if our heart do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. He's saying just, just expose your heart to him. Make sure, you know, because if you're a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit. Make sure you're not deceiving yourself. The problem is most times people deceive themselves. People just deaden their hearts, all right? People just... You know, cover it, force it, squeeze it. You know, even though your heart is telling you, God is telling you in your heart, what you're doing is not right. 
what you're saying about that person. Have you tried to gossip for like an hour about someone and you go and pray? You know how you feel. <laughs> you get on your knee, you want to pray, you know how dry you are. You know how really you know that God is not there. You know, so that's important. You know, the, the, the greatest thermometer or barometer, whatever you call it, is really our heart. A heart surrendered to God is very important. He said, if your heart condemns you, God is bigger than your heart. You should follow God. He's bigger than your heart. You know, and if your heart does not condemn you, then you know you're doing something right. Acts chapter 17, verse 11 says, talks about the Berean Christians. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Do your own work. So do it with understanding. Do your own work. You know, ask God to teach you. Are you confused about anything? Are you unsure about anything? You know, you know, you know, just ask him. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. Don't just say, I'm not doing it. You know, uh, you know, just do your homework and make sure you are true to your heart. Number four, do it with joy. Do it with joy. Whatever you do, do it with joy. Because if you don't serve God with joy, if you don't give to God with joy, if you don't do things you do with joy, you know what you're doing? You're making God a taskmaster. And God is not a taskmaster. He said, my commandments are not grievous. God is not trying to grieve you. God is not, first of all, he's not forcing you. Right? It's not, in fact, he said, look, if you don't worship me, I can raise stone to worship me. So it's not that I, you know, if you can't do it joyfully, then don't do it at all. And that's important. And that's really important. Don't, don't come here and give, you know, give your tithe and go home and you are angry, you are complaining, and you are, you know, you, are, you know, don't do that. I mean, what is the point? Don't, don't, don't come here, you know, serve and come and come early and just say, oh, that church, oh, they know how to use people. Nobody is using you. That's, 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 don't do that. I mean, you know what I'm telling you? I care about you getting your reward. Instead of you working hard and losing your reward, you, you might as well be chilling at home and not even go to church at all. I mean, so, so you, you, you don't want to lose on both sides, right? So don't come here and do all this work and you are not doing it with joy. The reward comes when we do it with joy. Hallelujah. Even Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. I mean, if someone can endure the cross for the joy that was set before him. I mean, why not? So we must do it with joy. In fact, this, look at what God says in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 47, 48. Because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in time of prosperity. Therefore, in hunger and thirst and in nakedness and their poverty, you will serve the enemies the Lord sends against you. You know, I love when people get mad at God and they just stop serving God. I'm like, so what are you going to do? They are just so disappointed at God and they stop Stop going to church. Just stop. Yeah. Like, so 
You can force God to just change or, I mean, so who are you going to serve now? You're going to go serve the enemy because your mind tells you God has not been good to you. That's deception. That's deception. No matter what you're going through, don't let the enemy deceive you. Serve God joyfully. Hallelujah. David says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God, for it's he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gate with thanksgiving and his court with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. That's David. That should be our attitude. I was glad, Psalm 122, when they said to me, let us come to the house of the Lord. Didn't say I was sad. I was, but I did it anyway. Because somebody will be calling me. Somebody will be mad. Don't do it. And let us know clearly so we don't bank on you. That's the, I mean, so, so there's no point. Don't do it. But if you walk through what I'm saying, if the understanding is there, right? If you know you're doing it for the Lord, all these things will follow. Joy comes. Enthusiasm comes because you have an understanding of what you are doing. That's why having understanding and conviction is very important. Job at some point says, even if God slays me, I will still serve him. I mean, I'm so convinced that even if God slays me, kills me, I'm not going to... I'm still going to do it. Praise the name of Jesus. Lastly, do it under authority. Or oh, I use according to the rules. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 says, No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilians' affairs. That's true. Many of us want to serve God and still do every other thing. You see, we want to compete. Some Christians want to compete with unbelievers. You can't compete with them. I mean, you can serve God and still be able to serve all the other things, go to club every whatever, do everything. No, no, no. You can't do all those. No. So just don't get entangled with civilian affairs. But rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules, all right? There's always rules of engagement. There's always rules of service. God always put us under authority. The worker here, God has put you under authority here, all right? And there are basic authority rules. You know, let's do this as worker, let's do this. I mean, don't ignore that because it, it, it offers no benefit to you. There's no point. You know, so it's very important. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20, so they rose early in the morning and went out. In fact, actually, I'll read the last part that says, Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe in his prophet, and you shall prosper. So there's a very role, a great role to spiritual leadership there. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders. I want you to say, obey your leaders and do what they say. They are watching over you. If you have true leaders, they are watching over you. And they must answer to God. 
So don't make them sad as they do their work. Make them happy. Otherwise, they won't be able to help you at all. Did you see that? Their work will not be a blessing to you. So the way God designed this is things are done under authority. I mean, so you don't need to constantly just not care about it. Just, just no, there are rules of engagement, and God honors that. And for sometimes, sometimes some of us, we just, you know, we, you know, we, we, I've seen situations where people, they care more about leaders who are not placed over them. All right? I mean, some guy on Facebook, sometimes somewhere, yeah, we should all listen. But sometimes those people carry more weight, but they have no, they are not watching over your soul. Right? They'll tell you all these things, consequences come, you, you can't go to them. Right? I mean, they, they can say things, they can, there are a lot of them now, oh, yeah, get out of those churches, do all this, that. I mean, they are not there for you when you need a church. When you need a church family, you can't run to them. I mean, they can tell you all they can tell you, but they are not the one watching over your soul. They are not accountable to you. So it's important for you to know that they, they arrive. God is a very wise God. God is, the, is wisdom. So he says, they are watching over you. All right? And the people who are watching over you, they answer to God. God is going to demand from them, right? Uh, why? What they are, I mean, they're supposed to pray for you. They're supposed to be there for you. They're supposed to guide you spiritually, instruct you spiritually, be there for you. Don't just cast them aside. And so there's one guy who says this. There's one guy who talks about this. You know, uh, this guy talks about this. But those guys won't be there for you. All right? So be very careful. Do it as under authority. Hallelujah. I'm hoping that you have been blessed by this. I'm praying that this will, you will take this to heart. This will be planted in your heart. My prayer is you will not lose your reward. For many of us, we're already giving a lot. We're already serving. We're already really doing a lot of work. We're already giving. We're already doing whatever we need to do. We're already there for people. We're already doing... Why would you not want God to reward you for that? Why would you want to mess that up by not doing it right? My prayer is you will get it right in Jesus' name. My prayer for you is you will not lose your reward in Jesus' name. The Lord who you serve is not unjust. He will not forget your work. He will not forget your labor of love. He will reward you abundantly. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let's bow down our heads and just pray. Father, I just pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. I pray you bless them, perfect everything concerning them. This word will not stand against any of us on the day of judgment, but this word shall be a source of testimony to us. Thank you because you've answered our prayer. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen.